passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let's get to this schedule because we have a major, major change in baseball this year. There's a lot of major changes. We've gone over the rules, but the schedule change. For many years, for almost two decades, 19 games against each divisional rival that is being cut to 13. So six fewer games against the Braves, six less games against Philadelphia, against Washington, against Miami. And look, you could you could twist that part of this any way you'd like. Obviously, the NL East is a very good division, but the Mets had great success against the NL East last year. The Mets beat the crap out of the Philadelphia Phillies. So as well as the Phillies ended up playing and going to the World Series, they suffered at the hands of the Mets. The Mets benefited, I guess, from the schedule. Played well against the Marlins, played well against the Nationals. They were playing well against Atlanta until things obviously ended badly. The, it's a cyclical thing. There are going to be some years in which the division's not going to be very good, and you're going to love those 19 games against really bad teams. And then obviously there are going to be years in which the division's loaded. So I'm kind of mixed about that. Uh, you're playing teams outside of your division in the same league pretty much the same amount of times. The way it's been is you either play a team six or seven times. That's the way it's always worked. And, you know, you kind of forget how many times you're playing a team. Like the Mets are playing the Cardinals seven times this season and the Pirates six times this season. They're playing the Dodgers six times. They're playing the Giants seven times. It's, it's basically the same. The big addition is this interleague play thing. And so, I, first of all, I'm open-minded about this schedule. I don't have a strong opinion that it's awful quite yet. I think as a traditionalist, I don't love the fact that you're playing every single team every single year. And I do think it's the kind of the free way to get us to radical realignment, which also scares me. So from that standpoint, I guess I don't like it. From a selfish standpoint, from a guy who likes to go see the Mets on the road standpoint, I think it's great that they're going to go to Boston every two years. 
I think it's great that they're going to go to Seattle every two years. So the, the fan fan in me really likes it. The baseball fan in me, the one that likes tradition, I don't love it. Now, I teamed, I tend to get crap. I got one email this week saying, Evan, how dare you call yourself a traditionalist? You like, I forget what I like, the pitch clock. It's like my politics. I can promise you. I'm not a conservative and I'm not a liberal. But if you hear certain things, you'll say, look at you, you pinky commie. Or look at you, you fascist conservative. It's about what issue you hear. So there are certain aspects of baseball that I'm a traditionalist on. And then there are certain aspects of baseball where I think I'm a, I'm a forward thinker. It goes back and forth. With this schedule, I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. I'm not sure if I'm going to like it or not. In terms of evaluating if it's good for the Mets or not, I don't even know how you do that. Because while the division is really good, the Mets beat up the Phillies last year. So I can't just naturally say, boy, it's great they don't have to play the Phillies six more times. Last year, I wanted to play the Phillies 50 times. And then, you know, getting to play the Mariners and Texas and Oakland and Anaheim and Kansas City and Chicago, a lot of that is when you face a team, if they're healthy. So it, I don't think there is an advantage or a disadvantage that's obvious going into a season. You could try to frame it a certain way, but I just don't think it jumps out at you as this is going to benefit the Mets or this is going to hurt the Mets. I do think at some point I would like to get back to two divisions in each league. I thought the Major League Baseball was going to do that coming out of the lockout. And if that's the case, I do think having that unbalanced schedule would be important. You'd almost have like a separate league in that, if there's eight teams in the National League East and you play those seven other teams a bunch of times, you would, in my opinion, determine how many playoff teams are based on there are three teams coming out of the NL East. There are three teams coming out of the NLS call today, as opposed to there could be four from this division, there could be two from that division. But that's for a different podcast at a different time. What's your impression of this schedule? Do you like it? Are you indifferent like I am? Where are you? So, so first of all, here's the thing. We looked at like the Chicago Cubs last year as a team, not a very good team, but somehow they ruined the end of our season as well. So any team can, can show up at any time like we talked about. I would like the fact that the Mets can actually test themselves against other teams throughout baseball at any time. I like the Mariners, for example, so I don't mind seeing how the Mets can face them. Maybe it's a potential a World Series matchup. You don't. You don't know. So I'm. I'm so open to it all. But again, it's also the right time. Right time for it. Is everyone healthy? Are you going up against a Dodgers team or a um, or a, an Angels team when you completely miss Otani and whatever? It's. It's like I, I want. There's matchups that you want to see. You want to see much. You talk about must see moments. Must see matchups. Like you kind of have to have everyone available, and that's the that's the one thing is just because you play them six or seven times doesn't mean you're going to be able to to see everybody. You're still going to yeah. miss somebody. It, the, uh, looking at this Mets schedule, um, the things I don't like, and, and I I don't mean this from it hurts the Mets or it helps the Mets. I just I don't like it. Is winning the division still matters to a degree? We saw that last year. I would want to make divisional games a lot of them in September. 
I wouldn't want to have you be done with a team before you get to September. And that's the case this year between the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. As great as that series was, not for us, but in terms of trauma, it was great that the Mets and the Braves were lined up towards the end of the season. That's not the case this year. Now, the Mets are going to play the Philadelphia Phillies a lot. So if the Mets and Phillies are battling it out, they've got a bunch of games in September slash October. They've got three at City Field that closes the season. They got four in Philadelphia right before that. In fact, seven of the last 10 games the Mets play during the regular season is against the Philadelphia Phillies. And they also have a lot of games against the Marlins. So from that aspect, they got it right in that you're playing two of your divisional teams a lot at the end of the season, but not Atlanta. The last game the Mets play against the Atlanta Braves is August 23rd. Think about that. You still have a full month plus of regular season games, and the Mets and the Braves are going to be done with each other. Uh, Now, vice versa on this, the Mets don't play the Phillies for the first time until the end of May, until May 30th. So the Mets are going to play two months of baseball and not see the Phillies. Neither is ideal. In a perfect world, you're seeing your division in April and you're seeing your division in September. That, that's how I would view it. And remember, because you're not facing a team 19 times, there aren't three visits to a divisional rival. There are two. So April and September, ideally. Um, that's how I would frame it. More so September than even April. Like, the Philly one bothers me less because, you know, okay, you don't see them in April. You don't see them most of May. But with the season on the line, assuming it is, you're going to see a lot of them. Seven of 10 games between the Mets and Phillies. By the way, not good for the Mets, considering Bryce Harper is supposed to miss the first half of the year. So you could argue that's not a good thing necessarily for the Mets. But I'm not viewing it in that prism, though I do want to explain it. I just don't like the fact that the Mets and the Braves are done on August 23rd. So the way that breaks down is they play late April uh, at City Field. They play in early June in Atlanta. They play in early August at City and then late August in Atlanta, and that's it. That's their season with the Braves. With Philadelphia, they play them at City Field May 30th to June 1st. They go to Philadelphia late June, and then they don't see them again until the end of the season at Philadelphia late September, home against the Phillies to close out the season September 29th to October 1st. I guess that's the part of the divisional schedule I don't like. Uh, I would want to see those teams late in the year. They open the year with a ton of games against Miami. Seven of the first 10 games of this season are against the Miami Marlins. I do like the fact that the Mets are not going to have to deal with rainouts at the start of the year. Four games in Miami. It may rain, but there's a dome. Three games in Milwaukee. It may snow, but there's a dome. And then when they come home, They'll probably have half the games rained out and snowed out and cold out. But at least when we are ready for baseball, when we finally get it on March 30th, barring a COVID outbreak, which doesn't happen anymore, that's basically gone. (laughs) The Mets are going to get to play seven straight games to start the season. They also have this interesting test right out of the gate. So they play these seven games on the road against Miami, Milwaukee. They play Miami and then San Diego. Uh, at home to open up the home year. And then they play their longest road trip of the season. Their longest road trip of the season is a 10-game trip 
that goes three in Oakland, three in LA, four in San Francisco, which doesn't make a lot of sense geography wise. You're going from Oakland down to LA back up to San Francisco, but right out of the gate, right out of the gate, no messing around. You got yourself a 10 game road trip and that's not going to be easy. The A's we'll see, but it's early in the season. So you never know. Obviously you know how dangerous LA is. And then four games against the San Francisco Giants. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, and you can write this down. Get me five and five on that trip, and I'm happy. All right? Just get me a, a survival 10-game road trip against Oakland, L.A., and San Francisco. I'm good. Then we got the Yankee games, which I don't even know why I'm mentioning it. Who cares about the Yankee games? Right? It's interleague play, sure. It's Subway Series. Uh, they're at City Field June 13th and 14th. Okay, great. And then they play him two at Yankee Stadium July 25th and 26th. I've said this before, and I'm probably in the minority on this. I'm all right with a Mets-Yankees opening day. I think that would be such a a celebration, excuse me, of New York baseball. I know they'll never do it because the Mets and the Yankees are going to sell out opening day no matter what, so it's almost like you're wasting a gate. But I think that would be kind of cool, like right out of the gate after a long offseason, Mets-Yankees start the year, let's go. How about this? Mets-Yankees to start the year, Mets-Yankees to close. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want Mets-Yankees to close the season. That'd I mean, talk about, inten- talk about intensity to finish the season. And that, that that's one thing. To get back to something you said, so like the Phillies, you know, you get to see them twice towards the end of the season, right? Yes. It's 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 a weird schedule to me in September. Like, first of all, you're going from Anaheim's coming to town at the end of August. You got the Texas Rangers coming to town. It's Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. You you go to you go to Washington. You you go to Minnesota. You see Arizona and Cincinnati, and then the last thirteen games, you're you're playing the Marlins and the Phillies. You're telling me you couldn't find a way to put a Braves in there. Like, I I I, I see where you're a little upset by that. Thirteen games between two teams. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Yes. Yeah. And I, I, look, you don't know sometimes year to year how good a team's going to be. There's going to be a team this year that we expect to be really good. That's not going to be really good. Even in baseball where everybody thinks it's predictable and vice versa. But you know, the Mets and Braves coming off 101 win seasons are arch rivals. It just stinks that you got nothing with them in the final month. But think about what you just said. You were going through the September schedule. It is a very, on paper, I preface this, a very soft schedule. I mean, Addison, there are some potentially really mediocre to bad teams 
in that schedule. So they play the Braves in Atlanta, wrap up their season series. They play three games against the Angels at home, where Otani's probably gone because they stunk and they traded him to God knows where, probably not our team. Three games against Texas. We'll see about Texas. Spent a lot of money, a lot to prove, though. Three games against Seattle. I think they should be good again. Washington, bad team. Minnesota, we'll see. Arizona, mediocre team. Cincinnati, bad team. And then the the trade-off of Marlins, Phillies, Marlins, Phillies. That is a very, maybe not as soft as the September from this year that backfired on the Mets. That's why I probably shouldn't even talk about a soft schedule. <laughs> and you know the Marlins be a pain in the ass. Like, no matter what, yeah. every season, the Marlins at the end of the season. Hell, 2007, 2008, we know this. They are a pain in the ass. No, they are. They are. And and considering what happened in 2022, I shouldn't be talking trash about any bad team that's on the Mets schedule because, well, we know what happens. <laughs> we, we know how quickly things can turn on that. So – I know you you circle things in advance. You've seen something. Is there one specific series that's really like, oh, I, I'm looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to going to Boston. I mean, really, and that's just, uh, you know, I'm a baseball fan. I mean, going to Fenway Park is really, really cool. I'm looking forward to taking my son to Fenway Park. He's never seen it. Jed is here right now. Are you excited to go to Boston? Yes. Yes. He says yes. <laughs> what about Baltimore? Do you want to go to Baltimore? Yeah. I hope so. Well, you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you want to. I would never force you. But I, that's why when we talk about this schedule, I think I'm biased in terms of it's cool to go to those cities. Like, it's not, they're not stadiums the Mets go to very often. As far as an opponent and not thinking about going on a road trip, it's Texas. It's the idea of DeGrom. It's the idea that if Jake's healthy, and we know that's a big caveat, out of the gate. I'm not going to spend much time on that. I don't want to relitigate any DeGrom debates. I'll keep that to Twitter and Carton Roberts are yelling at Sal. All right. <laughs> We're not doing it on the Rico. All right. Uh, but I do think that if DeGrom pitches and that's the key here and it's, it's late August. So who knows? I think that's an event. I think that's a big deal outside of that. I mean, I don't know. I think in a way, Pete interleague play is sort of ruined this. A little bit, you know, in the late nineties, when it first started, I always thought it was so cool. Like, Oh my God, it's Mets Red Sox. Oh, Oh my God. It's even Mets Mariners. This is crazy. But nowadays we've seen these matchups. The excitement isn't the same to me. This is why I I know we're far away from it, but realignment is going to be a huge thing. Uh, I think expansion. I know that some people are like, why are you going to expand? You can't even sell the places that you're at right now. But I think adding two more teams, making it, four in each division just would make things so much better. And then you could either a kind of still have into league to be a fun piece where you just see a division, like almost like football, like NFL, you see, you see the AFC this year, uh, the AFC East this year, next year you'll see the AFC West. You know what I mean? Like that to me splits up the, 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 the leagues a little bit more and it makes it fun. Yeah, speaking of fun, I was thinking that we do a podcast before opening day, not during the uh, rigors of the regular season, discussing the possibilities of realignment, uh, radical realignment, non-radical realignment, because I don't think what we're looking at right now is permanent. I don't. I, I get this. Baseball is going through a transition feel 
to what we're going to look at over the next few years. I do. I do. I don't think what we're witnessing is long-term. I don't call me crazy. I think that, I think that the schedule is going to look different. I think the playoff format is going to look different. I think the divisions are going to look different. I'm, I'm sort of convinced it's going to be radical. I'm like leaning towards seeing that. Not that I want that, but seeing that. So it could be a worthy discussion. Benji Horowitz wrote an email earlier this week, and this is what made me laugh. I give Benji credit. He said, hey, Evan, I love the last pod despite a lot of disagreements. I find it funny that you call yourself a traditionalist and then immediately talked about how you like load management, (laughs) the pitch clock, and resign to the fact that you might now enjoy the new balanced schedule, LOL. See, this is what I'm talking about. I am no longer a traditionalist because of those opinions, forgetting all the other traditionalist opinions I have. Uh, But to continue on, Benji writes, I think baseball is approaching things the wrong way as usual. There are more organic ways to address the issues a baseball faces rather than a timer on a timeless game and a schedule that makes divisions even less meaningful. Not to mention this playoff format as a travesty did the game. In the wild card era, a wild card has won the World Series 25% of the time. It's gotten absurd. Thanks for the content. A couple of things about this. I only like, quote unquote, load management because I'm adjusting to what the sport is. Right? That doesn't mean I like the fact that there are six playoff teams. I want to make that clear to Benji. We probably agree more than he realizes. But what I've learned is while I'll complain and I'll tell you my opinion, at some point I have to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, it would be as if I just came on every day and complained about the wild card. Well, it's it's here. Or I complained every day about the Manfred runner on second base. I may make digs at it, but it's here. So we have to evaluate it. You see what I'm saying? The DH is a great example. I never wanted the DH in the National League. But whenever we talk about the DH... I don't bring that up to Pete. I talk about the DH. Like, hey, Daniel Vogelback, maybe the DH. Vientos. Because you have to just accept it. So I'm looking at what baseball is right now. I'm looking at what happened last year. And I'm giving you an opinion based on that, that, hey, maybe load management makes a lot more sense than it ever would have. That's not me not being a traditionalist. It's me being realistic about what the game is right now. The pitch clock, Benji, I will fight you to my death on. (laughs) And I say that because I really believe, and I want Benji to be the guinea pig on this. I really believe June 1st, write me back. You will admit the pitch clock was the best thing to happen to baseball. I, I believe that. I believe that strongly in my heart because, and this all started about 10 years ago when I started watching Met games on DVR and my dad did too. And we started to see the ridiculous amount of time between pitches. Sometimes when you're sitting there, you don't pick up on it. And it got worse and worse and worse. And I think it needs to be stopped. I do. I haven't changed. Baseball changed. Okay. I, I, I'm a, it's not like I'm different than I was in 1999. Baseball's different than what it was in 1999. So for anybody out there, because there's a lot of issues we're just never going to agree on, that's cool. But for the pitch clock, I am confident. If you disagree with it, Give me till June 1st. You will admit it's the best thing that ever happened. I really believe that. I think it's going to be the biggest change and best change baseball's ever had. So from that standpoint, I'm not a traditionalist, I guess. (laughs) 
And and then if you have an issue with the wild card, you'll find out uh, in sometime in late October when the Mets get swept in two games. <laughs> and then we can play this stupid wild card. I didn't like when when baseball invented the wild card in 1994, and then eventually it was used in 95. I didn't love it, but I was young. I didn't love that the division races seemed not to matter, that when the Yankees and the Red Sox finished tied for first place in 2005, nobody cared because it was just, oh, Yankees got the tiebreaker. They'll play the Angels. The Red Sox will play the White Sox. It's like, what? Like there was no difference necessarily between winning the division and not. When they added the second wild card, I loved it. I thought it was one of the great smart moves by baseball because it made the division races matter. This new format I do not like. And I made that clear a year ago, long before there were any results, long before the Mets got swept in a three-game series by San Diego. Trust me, it has nothing to do with it. I do agree with Benji and probably most people listening. I don't like that there are more teams in the postseason. Um, But what I said last year, and I stand by this, is if they were going to add playoff teams and they were going to have six teams in each league, there was a better way to do it. In my opinion, it was two divisions in each league with each divisional winner automatically going to the divisional series as opposed to this NFL-like format where two of the divisional winners get that by and not all of them. Like the Cardinals won the division last year. They didn't get a benefit. So I disagreed with it, but it's here. So we have to talk about it. Uh, When we do the next Rico coming up in a few days, we'll go deeper into this roster and why I think it's going to be so difficult for Beatty Alvarez-Vientos to make this team. And we'll make, officially, our roster prediction before they play any spring training games. We'll make our 26-man roster predictions. We'll do that coming up on the next Rico. And then before you know it, we're going to have games to react to. Even if they're fake games, it's really going to be us talking about the rules, watching them happen, and reacting to it. So we got a lot coming up on the Rico. We appreciate all your emails, the Rico B at gmail.com. Anytime you have a thought, you could obviously tweet at us as well and download Rico Bronya at the Odyssey app or wherever you download podcasts, wherever you do that. We appreciate it. Pete's going to be with Tiki and Tierney all week at 10 a.m. Craig is back, me and him, 2 o'clock on the fan. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.